Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast is a Christ-centered podcast. Established in 2019 and hosted weekly by Pastor Chris Busher. Addressing a host of topics such as the Great Commission, Christian discipleship, and often featuring interviews with special guests who are experts in their field. The views and events expressed on this podcast and all related materials belong solely to their author and not necessarily to the author's employer, organization, committee, or other group or individual. While all attempts are made to present accurate information, some information may become outdated over time. Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast makes every attempt to timely update any and all such information. Without further delay, here's another powerful episode of Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast. Once again, I'm your co-host, Dallas Montague. Today, we have a very interesting guest. His name is Robert Thomas Helm, and Robert is a translator. And he is the translator of a Bible called the Modern Evangelical Version. And he's been working on this for eight years now. And he's released the New Testament version of the the Bible. And he's working now on the Old Testament. And so the things that he brought today are very incredible. He talks about the difference between the Greek and the Hebrew coming into the English and explains it a little bit deeper. So I really look forward to you guys hearing that today. I'm not going to take any more of your time. We're going to get right into it. Thank you, guys. You're listening to the Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast. We'll be right back after this quick word from our sponsors. Nobody likes the guy who says, I told you so. The guy in 1991 who said to you, invest in the internet, it's going to be huge. Or the guy in 1997 who said, come on, this is going to be big. They call it social media. And the guy in 2009 who said, I'm telling you, man, crypto is real. Now, I'm not going to be that guy who says, I told you so. But I am telling you that there is a 21-year-old international company where you can become a global project partner, earning a passive income doing exactly what you're doing at this moment. No selling, no recruiting clients, no administering a business after hours. Visit www.mypassiveincome.life now. That's mypassiveincome.life. Don't let history repeat itself on this one. Earn a passive income. Now listen again. That's mypassiveincome.life. Thanks for being here on the podcast today. We have a lot of things to talk about, and one of those is your translation, the modern evangelical version. Mm -hmm. Before we get into that, can I just have you share a little bit more about yourself? When did you become a Christian? How did that change your life moving forward? Some things like that. Okay, I'm a Christian, and I... um know Christ as my personal Lord and Savior, and um, I want to share him with others. And I basically was raised in a Christian family, and um, I would say that I was I came to know Christ in a personal way as a teenager. So, you know, I've had a walk with Christ for a number of years, and um, I've, you know, I've studied the biblical languages, and um, basically everything I've done is, is, is really grows out of my desire to to, um, to share Christ with other people, because I love Christ as my Lord and Savior, and I want to help other people to get to know Him, too. Mm-hmm. And when did you start studying these other languages? Well, I uh, had the opportunity to uh, study them in school. Um, I've, I've, I have a reading knowledge of Greek and of Hebrew, which are the two principal biblical languages. Um, they've helped me, you know, 
with the translation because uh, those are the languages of the scriptures. So, Robert, what kind of led you into the world of translating? What intrigued you to want to do this? Basically, as I have studied scripture and I have also preached sermons and done research to um, develop sermons, I've come to realize that um, sometimes there are certain nuances in the original languages that have not been brought out in certain translations. And um, in particular, I view Scripture as a Christ-centered book. I believe the the center of of the Bible is Christ. It's a, a, a book that is intended to point us to Him. And I wanted to really bring out the the very Christ-centered nature of Scripture in this translation in a clear way. And um, that's one of the reasons I decided to work on this. I've always had an interest in translation. I, you know, I um, have a talent, I think, for language. And um, I wanted to put the Bible in crisp 21st century English, produce a Christ-centered conservative translation that would really help people in their walk with the Lord. Yeah, it says here that specifically it is intended to provide a bold witness to the gospel, the good news about Jesus Christ in modern English. Yeah, so That's I think correct. Mm-hmm. I like that. Focused on Jesus. That's the point. He came, he died, he rose again for our sins to be the sacrifice. I think that's great. Yes. What are some other examples that you're saying that they didn't bring out from the Greek and the Hebrew into other translations? Well, in, in, in a number of places, there are different ways of translating things. For example, Genesis 49.10 has been translated in in various ways. In my opinion, that verse is undoubtedly pointing to Christ, to the Messiah. Basically, it says um, Judah would be the royal tribe, and a lawgiver would come from Judah until the word in Hebrew is Shiloh, or Shiloh, comes. And um, that word seems to be derived from peace. The idea seems to be the man of peace comes. There's been some puzzlement over exactly what what Shiloh means, but I think it's undoubtedly referring to the Messiah. And um, I wanted to make sure that that was brought out in the translation. Some some translations make it rather obscure. Others bring it out more clearly. There are certain, certain nuances like that that appear throughout Scripture where there's been some variation. And... Um, I wanted also, particularly in the book of Romans, to put that uh, book in language that is easy to read, but at the same time doesn't skirt the gospel, because the book of Romans is really the heart of the gospel in the entire Bible. Um, And I wanted to put Paul's message in that book in very clear, crisp language that doesn't water it down but that brings it out, uh, clearly what Paul was trying to say. One one example, um, in Romans 3.25, in the Greek, Paul uses a, a word that, called hilasterion, hmm. and there's been a lot of debate about that, but exactly what it means, it, it really, it has a number of meanings, but a primary meaning is propitiation. You find that word in the King James and in certain translations, but I've noticed when uh, that word comes up and people are reading it, uh, modern readers, they stumble over that word. They have a hard time even pronouncing it. So I tried to express what that word means. It's a good translation of hilasterion, the Greek word. Um, But I tried to explain it in, in more simple English. Basically, I said, 
that Christ was set forth as a sacrifice that deflects God's holy anger, which is what the word means in simpler English. Do you find it difficult to find the words to express the Greek and Hebrew? Because I don't know a lot about the different languages there, but from what I've heard is that they're a lot richer than the English language. They are richer um, than English. Um, a lot of people bring out that there's several words for love in Greek, and that's quite true. Mm-hmm. One thing in particular about Hebrew, Hebrew is a, a language that has a very sparse vocabulary. There's only about 30,000 words in the Hebrew language, as opposed to English, which has about a million words. So oftentimes, one Hebrew word will have quite a lot of shades of meaning and can be used differently in different contexts. You know, I really find translating a bit like putting a jigsaw puzzle together. You have to look at the word and see how it fits in the context and then try to find the best possible English equivalent. And I try to follow what William Tyndall suggested back in the 16th century. He said, don't use language people can't understand. Try to put, put the, um, the English equivalent in the common language that people, um, pe- people can relate to. And that's what I'm trying to do. Yeah. But um, it's a challenge. One thing that helps is sometimes is um, looking at at thesauruses and um, trying to figure out, okay, here's one word it might be that's a good uh, translation of it. Let's see if there's another word that is is even more fitting. And, um, yeah, I make use of of the thesaurus online and um, have a a thesaurus book. And, um, you know, I use various tools like this. Yeah. And like you say, translating a book like the Bible, too, it definitely is like a jigsaw puzzle because there's meanings from all over different chapters, all relating to the one purpose, which you say is the it's the gospel. That's right. Um, That's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm just intrigued, like translating the Bible. What is that? What does that take? What's the process? How many times do you have to read, read, reread to get the, the correct translation there? Well, it varies. Some verses are easy to translate, and others are quite hard. One thing that that translators are faced with, one problem is that the manuscripts over the years have been copied, and um, sometimes copying errors have come in, and sometimes we're not quite sure what the meaning of the text really is. There are times a copying mistake has been made in the text, There are also times that were so remote from that time period that there were expressions that were used at that time that we're not familiar with. And there there are meanings to words that we're not totally sure of today. And so that can be a challenge. There there are times I can spend several hours just on one verse that's um, a very challenging verse. But then there are other times I can translate a verse in, you know, a few minutes. And what do you think has been your most difficult verse or chapter to translate? And then on the other side, the easiest and the most fun verse. Um, hmm. There have been a number of difficult ones. I'm not sure that I can put my finger on just one that's the most difficult or the most easy. The Gospel of John is easy to translate in the sense that he uses very simple language, Greek language. But there's profound meaning 
in what he says. So I'd say John is very easy to translate. Luke's gospel in the New Testament was a hard one to translate. Luke uses very sophisticated Greek. Right now, I'm working on the book of Habakkuk in the Old Testament, uh, the little minor prophet. And um, I found that Habakkuk uses some rather obscure words, and it's, it's been a challenge. Um, it's not the easiest uh, Old Testament book to translate. I'm not sure that I can say one is stands out more than others, except I would say John's writings. Mm-hmm. He uses very simple Greek. I, I, John was a fisherman. And he knew some Greek, but he was not sophisticated with Greek. Paul's Greek and Luke's Greek, they're much more sophisticated than John's. And so you wrote the first, you wrote the New Testament first, and so now you're working on the Old Testament. Correct. Mm -hmm. I mentioned I'm doing Habakkuk right now. I'm working Mm -hmm. through the Minor Prophets, but I'm not going straight through uh, the book. uh, Through the Old Testament, the Hebrew Bible, I've um, skipped around a bit but I am working my way through the uh, minor prophets at this time. And how long does it take, this a process like this? As far as... Uh, the whole New Testament that you wrote so far, how long did that take? Let me think. It took, um, to get the whole thing done, it took about eight years. Wow. Seven or eight years. Wow. And then also, it there was a preliminary... Um, publication of it in 2013, and then there's been a recent revision where I'm, I did make a few changes, and I think it's been improved since then. So the, the current edition is the one I would recommend. And that's the one that I think I'm looking at right now on Amazon. Yes, published by Mindstar Media. Is, is it a green and, a, what sort of a green and gray cover? Yeah. With yep. a cross on the front? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the that's the current edition, and that's the one I would recommend. Okay, I will put this a link of this in the description. You guys can click on that for those listening. So I do have to ask this question. With all the other hundreds of tra- translations in English, why another translation? Why another translation? I think I've touched on that a bit, but I want to make it very clear. The intention of this translation is to put um, the message of the Bible in very clear, easy to understand, 21st century English, and in particular, to have a strong focus on grace and on the gospel, to bring out the Christ-centered message of Scripture very clearly. That's that's the intention. That's that's reflected in the uh, the title of the translation, Modern Evangelical Version. Evangelical refers to the gospel and modern refers to contemporary, the times in which we live. So it's, it's modern English that can easily be understood, and it's focused on, on the gospel and on Christ. And I would also point out this is not the only um, new translation to come out. We have um, a couple others that I can think of just offhand. The modern English Bible has come out recently, and there's also another new translation called the Evangelical Heritage Translation. So um, this process of creating new translations is an ongoing process. So, and I think we will we will see more translations as time goes on. Mm-hmm. Are you working on this project with a team of individuals, or pretty much? There's a, a friend of mine that is an Old Testament scholar that I consult from time to time. Um, he's basically my feedback person, but pretty much I'm working on this 
you know, myself, mm-hmm. as, as I say, but I, I have a contact person that I, um, I sound things off and um, get some feedback from. And so this is something you devoted to full-time or? Well, currently it's full-time. It, I was pastoring in the past and, um, you know, it was, it was not full-time then, but I'm, I'm semi-retired now and I'm working on this full-time, yes. I really, it's my goal to get it done as, you know, as quickly as I can. So um, I want to give it my uh, full attention at this time. Mm -hmm. And I I do have to ask this as well. Translating a powerful book like the Word of God, the scriptures of God, it's such a powerful book. How has that changed the way that you look at faith, the way that you look at God? That's a good question. Um, I would say that it has helped me grow myself as a Christian it's it's brought me closer to God. I remember one day in particular, this was a number of years ago when I was translating the New Testament, I was translating the book of Acts, and I became so engrossed with what I was reading, it almost felt like I was back in the at the fir- in the first century at the time. I lost sense of the time and my surroundings. I was so engrossed in the text. So yes, it has uh, it has helped me grow. It has given me better understanding myself of the Bible as I have um, as I've read the text in the original language and grappled to put it into into modern English. And I got to ask as well, the Book of Revelation. How does that translate? How did that go? Revelation is actually an easy book to translate because as as I mentioned, it's it's Johannine literature. It comes from John. Mm. Okay. uses simple Greek. The challenge, of course, in Revelation is that it's apocalyptic prophecy. It uses a lot of symbols, and um, people sometimes find that to be difficult. But as far as translating the book of Revelation, it isn't difficult. In my situation, I'm a missionary in a foreign country. I live in Brazil, and so I can only preach through a translator. Now it's my wife who translates for me, but have you ever had an opportunity to preach or to share in those other languages? Well, the only other language that I speak, I am semi-fluent in German. I don't think I know German well enough to preach a sermon in it, and I really don't have any reason to, but I do have, um, I'm able to have a conversation in German. As far as Greek and Hebrew, like I said, it's, first of all, my knowledge is of biblical Greek and Hebrew, which is a bit different from the um, modern languages today. But my, my knowledge is a reading knowledge. There's a difference between learning a language conversationally and learning to read it. And uh, when you study um, the biblical languages, you're not taught to converse in them. You're taught to read them. So um, my knowledge of, of Greek and Hebrew, I would not preach in those languages. It's, it's a scholarly, scholarly thing of, you know, reading and studying them. Mm. The only language I preach in is English. Yeah, thanks for clearing that up because that that would be really, really cool, I think, to go to one of those countries and to preach in that language. I can't do that yet, not even close, but... Brazil, you'd be preaching in Portuguese, wouldn't you? Yes, yep. I've lived here for one year now, but I still am a long ways away from preaching a message in Portuguese. I understand what you're saying, yeah. Well, as I say, I do have I do have some conversational ability in German, but as far as preaching a sermon, no. Do you have any, any plans to put this on a mobile version, like the popular Bible apps or things like that? I actually um, contacted um, Bible Gateway about it. Uh, they were supposed to be ordering a copy of the New Testament. I'm not certain what they're going to do with it. We'll 
they will wait and see after they've evaluated it. I think it might be more likely that they would they would post it after the Old Testament is done. But they uh, have um, told me that they have ordered a copy of the New Testament and are considering it. So we'll see what they do with it. Yeah. And that would be pretty exciting to use it on the, the mobile apps as well to get it out there, you know. And so, yeah, thank you. Is there anything else that you would like to share with our listeners Maybe the biggest thing God has taught you through this or just something you want to share? The biggest thing God has taught me is to trust in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. That, you know, I'm a great sinner, but Jesus is a great Savior. Mm -hmm. I'm, um, I'm echoing John Newton, who wrote Amazing Grace, when I say that, but it's true. And um, Jesus is real. He's not a fairy tale. He, he's a man of history, and, and he's also God, and he loves us. He wants us in his kingdom, and I encourage people to put their trust in him as their Lord and Savior, and find forgiveness, find eternal life. If you want to know Jesus, read the Word, get to know Him through a quiet time with Him. And this this Bible is just one avenue to do that. Well, thank you, Robert. And how can the, the listeners reach you? I'm going to put that link in below for the Bible itself, but do you have a social media platform, something like that? I do have a Facebook page that is okay. devoted to it. Um, and also, if people really wanted to contact me, I can give you an email address. Yeah, go ahead and send that to me, and then I'll put it below in the description, and they can they can take a look at that. Yeah, and Robert, one last thing. If I can have you in the podcast with a prayer, I would really appreciate that. Sure. Let's pray. Dear Father in heaven, I just ask at this time that um, you will bless this this podcast and help it to be informative to people about the the Bible translation. Most of all, Lord, I pray that this can be used to your glory, that it can be used to bring people to a saving knowledge of Christ. And uh, I just want to, once again, dedicate it to that end. And I pray that anybody who uh, obtains a copy of, of the New Testament that's already on the market, that they can be blessed and that they can... Um, the Holy Spirit will work through it uh, to bring them to faith in their Savior and to, to grow in Him. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You've just listened to the Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast with your host, Pastor Chris Busher. Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast was recorded live in studio with final editing made before uploading. Subscribe today to Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast on iTunes or Google Play. For more fantastic daily content, visit Pastor Chris Busher online via Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. Don't miss the next episode on Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast.